This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because it prospers, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Happy New Year. Uh, it's an interesting phrase, isn't it, Happy New Year, because uh, the reality is uh, uh, there's some hope even in that phrase, isn't it? Uh, the hope that it is going to be a Happy New Year. And, uh, of course, the reality is we don't know. And, uh, and so we, we, we say in confidence and hope, Happy New Year, in the hope that it will be. And as we've already said, uh, one of the things that very often people do at the beginning of the New Year is, uh, you know, it's, it's like a fresh start, isn't it? And uh, people make New Year's resolutions. Anybody here made a New Year resolution? No, no, no. Oh, one, okay. Is it it something you can share with us or is it something you'd rather keep to yourself, Peter? I want to learn German. You're going to learn German? Okay. We'll we'll find out during the year whether that's... uh, uh, Excellent, okay. So has only Peter got a New Year's resolution... Um, maybe the rest of you feel like this guy. Resolutions, what are you implying? That I need to change? As far as I'm concerned, I'm perfect the way that I am. <laughs> maybe that's how some of us feel, maybe not. Um, but we have, uh, we have a text for the year. And uh, this text, of course, uh, is about uh, God's plans for us. You know, God has a plan for everybody. And uh, everything in the whole of creation. Did you know that? I came across this little story uh, about creation. On the very first day, God created the cow. He said to the cow, Today I have created you as a cow. You must go to the field with the farmer all day long. You will work all day under the sun, and I will give you a lifespan of 50 years. The cow objected. 
What? This kind of tough life? You want me to live it for 50 years? Let me have 20 years and the 30 years I'll give you back. So God agreed. On the second day, this isn't quite scriptural, you'll, you'll understand. God created the dog. God said to the dog, what, are you supposed to, what you're supposed to do is sit all day by the door of your house. Any people that come in, you'll have to bark to them and I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog objected. What, all day long, sit at the door and, and bark at people? I'll tell you what, I'll give you 10 years uh, back. So God agreed. On the third day, God created the monkey. He said to the monkey, monkey, you have to entertain people. You've got to make them laugh and do monkey tricks and I'll give you a 20 years lifespan. The monkey objected. Make them laugh, do monkey faces and tricks. 10 years will do me and the other 10 years I'll give you back and God agreed. On the fourth day, God created man and woman. And said to them, your job is to sleep, eat and play. There will be much to enjoy in your life and all you need to do is enjoy things and do nothing. For that kind of life, I'll give you 20 years. The man objected. 20 years? Such a good life, eat, play and sleep, do nothing, enjoy the best and you expect me to live only 20 years? No way. Why don't we make a deal? Since the cow gave back 30 years, the dog gave back 10 years and the monkey gave back 10 years... I will take them from you. That makes my lifespan 70 years. And God agreed. And that's why in our first 20 years, we eat, sleep and play and enjoy the best and do nothing much. For the next 30 years, we work all day long, suffer and get to support the family. For the next 10 years, we entertain our grandchildren making monkey faces and monkey tricks. And for the last 10 years, we stay at home, sit in the front of the door and bark at people. You can work out for yourself which stage of life you're at. I will help you uh, to decide if you want to see me afterwards. Uh, actually, God's got a much better plan for us than that. And uh, at the beginning of this new year, um, I always go through this journey of uh, trying to decide the text for the year. It might not seem a, a big deal, but if we're going to have a, a text that we're carrying through the year... Um, you know, I spend quite a bit of time searching and, and trying to discover what I feel uh, God is saying and what is the right text. And, and I guess this text came out of the fact that uh, for many people, last year wasn't a great year, uh, 2012. Uh, it wasn't a very happy new year for many people in our congregation. Many people uh, had difficulties, had their family bereavements or or lost people that, that were dear to them. People uh, struggled with illness, and some people still are. And, and so um, we hope that 2013 will be a happy new year, but the reality is uh, we know from past experience that for everybody, it isn't going to be a happy new year. And uh, as I was contemplating on this, uh, that this verse spoke to me, and uh, that I felt this was the, the verse that we would uh, need to help us through this new year. And uh, it's a great verse. It, it, it's a verse that, that I read. is one of the most popular. It comes in the, in, in the, in the top 20 verses. Out of all the verses in, in the Bible, this is, this is up there as one of those popular verses that people love to have. And you can get all sorts of things with it on. I brought Susan for Christmas a daily planner uh, with that text on it. Uh, you can also get t-shirts, you can get jewelries, you can get mugs, you can get all sorts of, of, of things with this verse on. It's a very popular verse. 
Uh, But what I don't want us to do is to lift this verse out of its context. Because to do so can make it say something that I don't think it's really saying. And so let me just spend a a couple of moments. You can also get a a Happy New Year thing with uh, For I Know the Plans I Have For You, which seems uh, appropriate to today. But what I want to do is, uh, is look at this verse in the context that it's placed in the book of Jeremiah. And uh, just let me take a few moments to say something about this context. Because actually, the context into which Jeremiah is writing isn't a great context that the people of Israel are living. Uh, first of all, uh, it's worth noticing that this is a letter. This is, we know this because at the beginning of uh, chapter 29, we didn't read this bit, but uh, Jeremiah says, it says this, this is the text of a letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem. So this is part of a letter that Jeremiah sent to the people of God. Uh, The people of God uh, were no longer living in Jerusalem. And again, we read this at the beginning of of, of verses 29, verses 1 to 2. The prophets uh, and all the people, Nebuchadnezzar, had carried them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So these people had been taken by force. They hadn't gone willingly into uh, Babylon. Uh, you know, this was their, is it Boney M? This was their Boney M moment. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, by the rivers of Babylon. I won't try and sing it, but some of you may be able to sing it better than me. Uh, we sat down and uh, we remembered Zion because they were in exile in Babylon. So these people, um, in their Boney M moment, um, were living in exile. They'd been dragged from their homes, uh, not willingly, but probably kicking and screaming, and taken to a place where they didn't want to be. And so this, this verse um, that Jeremiah will eventually get to, verse 11, and we will eventually get to, uh, is written in a letter to people who are having a very difficult and hard time. It certainly wasn't going to be a happy new year for them, Uh, because they were going to be slaves in exile uh, under a foreign king who probably didn't like them very much. And so uh, the context for this verse is not a very happy situation for the people of Israel. They maybe even felt that God had abandoned them, that God had deserted them. They were probably asking questions, you know, that we too ask when things go wrong. You know, why is God allowing this to happen to us? We're the people of God. Where is God in this situation? You're probably asking questions like that. And Jeremiah is writing to them to encourage them and to try and give them hope. But Jeremiah is also being very realistic. And in many senses, although this is a verse that people stick on the fridges and uh, wear t-shirts and it seems an upbeat, happy verse, it actually comes to them in a context of great unhappiness. And I think it's important that we see it within that context because it gives a bit of realism uh, to how life is. Because I don't know about you, but uh, it seems to me that, that you know, uh, very often our life is, is, is a mixture, isn't it? You know, we go from happy moments to sad moments to happy moments, and, uh, and that's how life is. And here are the people of Israel uh, struggling uh, in Babylon. And so that's the context Uh, that this uh, letter is written. And the first thing that I want to say about this verse is this, is that uh, it's a very obvious thing, but sometimes it's worth pointing out the obvious things. Uh, 
The plans are God's plans. The plans are God's plans. We know that because in that first bit of the verse that that Ruth was holding, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The plans that I have for you. They're God's plans. And I say that because um, they're not our plans. They're not our plans. Uh, The people of Israel would not have planned to go into exile in Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah makes it very clear uh, that it is God who has exiled them. And that's kind of another question for another day. We could spend uh, the rest of the morning thinking about that, but we won't. Uh, you may be pleased to know. But it's important to know that, that these are God's plans for his people. Um, the plans that I have for you. They're God's plans. And uh, the thing is about God's plans is, is we might not understand God's plans. I'm sure, as I said, the people of Israel was, were thinking, what is God doing? Why is God allowing these things to happen to us? Um, there is um, a mystery sometimes uh, within God and his plans for us. Sometimes we make it, people like me and other people that stand here, make it sound a lot more simpler than it actually is, understanding what God is doing. Um, John Ortberg in his book Faith and Doubt says this, There is a mystery to faith as there is to life that I don't fully understand. This book with the not very catchy title, Faith and Doubt, and the most important word is in the title is the one in the middle, because most people I know are a mix of the two. John Alberg reminds us that there's a, there's a mystery about God and understanding God. And so we might always understand what God is doing, um, but they are his plans. Um, We might not like God's plans. Not only might we not understand what God is doing, we might not like what God is doing. Um, And let's be honest about this. You know, uh, there's lots of things that happens in life that that you and I don't like. Um, That we wouldn't plan it. Uh, If we were planning things, we wouldn't plan it that way. And one of the things that this verse is saying... And uh, I like the way uh, that the message version puts this verse. The message version puts it like this. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. This is God speaking. This is for I know the plans I have for you. I know what I'm doing. And sometimes we need to, to just be, to, to trust God. I know it seems a strange thing to say because you take it for granted. Oh yeah, of course we trust God. But actually when things go off beats, when things don't go as we would have planned it, very often we think, does God really know what he's doing? We look at the world and we see all the terrible things that are happening, and sometimes it's reassuring when somebody uh, sends us a letter, um, and God is saying, actually, I know what I'm doing, even if it looks to you like, I don't know what I'm doing. God says, I know what I'm doing. And maybe some of you just need to hear that this morning, that God says, you know, whatever's happening in your life, um, I'm still in control. I know what I'm doing, God says. 
And Jeremiah felt that the people living in exile in Babylon, in the terrible situation, needed to, to hear God saying, actually, despite your present circumstances, I do know what I'm doing. Trust me, God says. So we might not understand God's plans, we might not like plan, God's plans. And in fact, we might think that we could come up with a better plan. We might think that, that we, given a half a chance, could come up with a better plan. And let's be honest, we've all thought that at times. Uh, we call it praying, don't we? <laughs> uh, you know, we tell God what we think he ought to be doing very often in our prayers, don't we? And, uh, and sometimes, uh, unlike the opening story we started with, God doesn't always agree with us. Uh, but the reality is, very often, uh, we have a, higher, a too higher opinion of ourselves in our relationship with God. Because we think, hang on a second, if I was organising this, uh, I'd actually rearrange things. And so it turned out a bit more comfortable and a bit more easier and a bit more pleasant for the people of God than the way that God seems to be organising things. And while we laugh and smile at that, we do so because we know it's ridiculous. To think, as mere human beings, that we might even have some understanding of what God is doing, uh, or have a better understanding, uh, that we might be able to do something better than God actually puts ourselves in a very dangerous position because we are exalting ourselves above God when we do that. And so, uh, although we might not understand God's plans, we might not like God's plans, we might even think we have a better plan, uh, Jeremiah is saying to the people, the plans are God's plans. And your position and your job as God's people is to trust in what God is doing, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, even if you think that you might have a better plan, trust and stay with what God is doing and what God is saying. God's plans. And so part of our job is we need to find out what God's plans are for us. And at the beginning of the new year, you know, it's a question we might ask, isn't it? You know, what has God got planned for this year? Somebody came striding up to me the other day and said, Richard, what has God got planned for you this year? And I think they were disappointed with my answer because I don't know. <laughs> they probably thought it was a bit of a flat answer. But when I said I don't know, what I was really meaning is I, I don't know. Uh, but my job is to try and find out what God is doing. Uh, it isn't my job to make up the plans. Sometimes, we, again, we, we make the mistake of thinking it's our job to come up with lots of good ideas when God has already done it. Um, we've got the book, it's here. Um, we just need to follow uh, what God has planned. We've got to find out what God is doing and get involved. We don't have to invent things. We don't have to come up with new ideas. Uh, we just have to do what God uh, has planned for us to do. But it isn't easy sometimes finding out what God's plans for us. And that's part of our job together, collectively, as a people of God, is to find out what is God saying? What is God doing? What is God wanting us to do? Because he does have a plan for us as individuals and as a people. And our job is to work out what that plan is. And of course, uh, Jeremiah is very helpful because he, he goes on to say, uh, you know, in, in, in the next verse, he says, uh, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. One of the ways we discover God's plans is by talking to him and seeking him and listening to him. 
and uh, then we find out. Uh, but again, that's not as easy as it, as it seems. That's something we have to continue to do. We don't just go to God once and ask him and then go away and, and leave it. We have to keep going back to God again and again and again. And uh, at the beginning of the year, it's great, uh, you know, that Marilyn's arranging this space for us at the start of the new year to listen to what God might be saying to us as a church. And I would encourage you, if you're free and able, to participate in that day of just setting time aside at the beginning of the new year to seek what God is doing, what God is wanting to plan for us as a people and as a church. So the plans are God's plans. That's the first thing that we need to know. God has a plan. Um, it's his plan. It's not my plan, it's not your plan. And the plans are good plans. Well, they would be because they're God's plans. They have to be. They're the best plans ever. Uh, they're God's plans. They're good plans. We know that because, because Jeremiah goes on to say that they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You see, God's got our, our best interests at heart. Just hang on a sec. Let's go back to the context. These people have just been exiled to Babylon, uh, where they're not being treated very nice. And Jeremiah's saying, yeah, but God's plans are great plans. They're good plans. And you can imagine that the people, as they read this letter, they look at the letter, and then they look around them at the circumstances that they find in, and they're not sure that these plans are such good plans. Because their circumstances are not good. But the plans are good plans. And the question is, can we believe this? Can we believe that God's plans for us are good plans? Well, I guess it depends where we are when we receive the letter, doesn't it? It depends what our personal situation and circumstances are. Whether or not we can believe it. I've, uh, one of my Christmas presents this year was uh, uh, a book called The Crossroads. Those of you that read The Shack, uh, if you enjoyed The Shack, you'll enjoy The Crossroads. If you didn't enjoy The Shack, you probably won't enjoy The Crossroads. Guess what? This guy finds himself in this strange place and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit turn up and he has all these strange conversations with them. Uh, you may feel that you've been in this place before. Uh, but one of the things in the book, I've not even finished it yet, I'm only halfway through, but one of the conversations between uh, the guy Tony, uh, as he gets into this place, uh, he's asked the question, does your inability, Tony doesn't believe in God, he's rejected and, 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 and written God off. He says, does your inability to believe the word of this God make what this God has said not true? He's having this complicated question where the guy's telling him uh, that God says, whatever happens, he's going to love you and care for you and he'll never abandon you. And Tony doesn't believe this. And the question's asked back to him, well, whether you believe it or not, does that make it any difference to whether what God says is true? And Tony's caught a bit off guard. He says, yes! Uh, responded too quick and then thinking, changed his mind. I mean, no, wait, let me think about this a second. Uh, he's caught in that moment of, uh, is truth something that is affected by whether we believe it or not? And of course the answer is that if something is true, it's true whether we believe it or not. Uh, you and I believing in something doesn't make it any more or less true. Sometimes people come up to me and say, yeah, but Richard, 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 I really, really, really believe this. As if the number of reallys we put in front of it makes it even more true. It's either true or it's not true. 
Uh, and whether we believe it or not doesn't make it any less true. But it does affect the way that we live our life. In the song that we sang earlier, I made a little note as we were singing it. It says, I give my life to follow everything I believe in. What we believe in shapes our lives. And so it's important that we believe in things that are true. And the reality is the people of God at this particular moment in time would have found it very difficult to believe when Jeremiah writes to them and says that God's plans are good plans to prosper you and harm you. They would have found that very difficult in their situation to believe that that is true. And if you are in the middle of some sort of calamity... It's difficult to believe that God has your best interests at heart if your world is falling apart. And this is where faith comes in. You see, faith is not always being absolutely certain. Faith is believing in God when our circumstances are screaming something else at us. Faith is still trusting and believing in God despite the situations that we find ourselves in. Because we return to God's word and we read that actually uh, God's plans are good plans for us. Uh, but we have to remember that God has a, has, has a long kind of term plan for us. And that doesn't mean... Uh, Jeremiah wasn't giving them a, a, a free get-out-of-Babylon ticket in this letter. It wasn't a get-out-of-jail card. Uh, that they could take to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, here, we, we can go back now. <laughs> I've got this letter from God. It says he's got great plans for us. So take a, take a, take a high one there by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't that at all. Just before our text for the year, Jeremiah says this, don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in your name. And when we read that, you might have thought, well, who are these uh, false prophets that Jeremiah is talking about? Well, if we went back into uh, chapter 28, that's why it's important always to look at texts in in context and not just pull them out. Uh, There was this other prophet called Hananiah. And he was prophesying something completely different to Jeremiah. He was telling the people, prophesying that within two years, they will be back in Jerusalem. Jeremiah, you might have noticed, in verse 10, said actually it would be 70 years. Now imagine that you're in exile in Jerusalem. Which do you want to hear and believe? Hananiah on the left who's saying, two years folks, and then we're back, God's told me. Jeremiah over here on the right saying, I'm afraid it's 70 years of hard labour folks. Who do you want to believe? Hananiah or Jeremiah? I'd be over here with Hannah and I, I don't know about you, two years is enough for me in exile, uh, suffering and struggling. Uh, It sounds more positive than Jeremiah's 70 years. Uh, Don't believe in the dreams that you want them to say. In other words, of course we'd want to hear that it was only two years suffering rather than 70 years. 70 years is a lifetime. Do you remember the story at the beginning? It's a lifetime. And... Part of the problem is, uh, sometimes we do want to give a, a positive message, don't we? Of course we do. And we do have a positive message, but we have to be realistic. We have to be honest. This verse, um, of course, is, is one of the, the verses that's hijacked by uh, the prosperity gospel people. 
And you can understand because of that very text that says that my plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. You know the sort of claims, you know, name it and claim it. If you believe it, you'll receive it. And, uh, and it's so easy for us to buy into that sort of ideas. And you can pick verses out of context and they sound really good. And this is one of the verses that the prosperity gospel hijacked. But when you look at the context, you're kind of thinking, hang on a sec, have these people really understood the context of this verse? Because it isn't actually about prosperity in the world's eyes of prosperity. Because of course in the world's eyes, prosperity is all about getting what we want, about getting lots of money, about getting lots of things. In God's eyes, prosperity is something completely different. And there's a danger that we, that we want to believe. Who wouldn't want to believe? You know, uh, sow into my ministry and God will bless you. Send me some money and you'll receive as much, if not more, back. This is the sort of thing that, that some people teach and some people believe. And of course, it is rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Uh, it's certainly what, not what this verse is about. And it isn't what Jesus is about. It's interesting, if you look into kind of the prosperity stuff, they don't really like very much of what Jesus said. Except for the odd verse, which again, they lift out of context and say, you know, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. That's about it. Because most of the things that Jesus said uh, didn't really lean themselves toward prosperity. Uh, Jesus was actually about, you know, leaving all your stuff behind. He said to the rich young ruler, uh, if you want to follow me, you need to sell everything and give it to the poor. That doesn't kind of fit in with the kind of idea of God making you rich and God blessing you. And if anybody tells you that that God's got a plan that's going to make you rich, um, I wouldn't listen too much because it just isn't there. And if anybody tells you God has made... Some people are very good at making money and that's great. And, uh, you know, God can use those people. But God doesn't make people rich. If anything, uh, following Jesus is more likely to make you poorer uh, from a worldly point of view. So, God's plans are good plans. But not going to make you rich. They're not going to necessarily remove wherever your Babylon is. Uh, Notice that, that Jeremiah actually says... You know, you may as well settle down where you are because you are going to be there for a while. He talks about uh, building houses and settle down and planting gardens and marrying and, and having sons and daughters. You're going to be there for a while, folks. You may as well make the best of it. It's not a nice place to be. It's not a great place to be. Uh, but it's where I'm placing you in this moment in time. And sometimes, you know, I can think, uh, I don't want to offend anybody, but, you know, I can think of a lot nicer places to be than Lum. You know, if, if, if I was working out the plan for Richard Booth, you know, I'd be on some beach in Barbados uh, ministering to people where it was nice and hot and sunny and it wasn't always raining and damp and dark. That would be my plan for my life. Uh, but God had a different plan. And, uh, you know, if God says, you know, this is my plan for you, you have to try and fit in with it. And this is what Jeremiah is saying to the people of Israel. The plans are good plans. Uh, because they're God's plans. God is not mad at you, he's mad about you. I like that little, uh, little poster. His plans to prosper you, not to harm you. See, you see, the, the Israelites could get this idea. They're in exile, uh, basically, because they've been disobedient to God. And the, you might think, well, God's punishing them, so he must be really angry and mad at them. Because that's why we, what tends to happen in families, isn't it? Uh, we punish our children when we get to the point of, of getting really cross. And, and, and so 
it would be easy to think that God's really cross and mad at the people, but actually, uh, God isn't mad at them, he's mad about them. He wants them to prosper, and he doesn't want to bring harm upon them. The plans are good plans because they're God's plans. And then finally, the plans are giving plans. The plans are God's plans, the plans are God's plans, and the plans are giving plans, because... The plans are to give you hope and a future. And if there's anything the people of Israel needed to hear at that present moment in time is that they did have hope because they needed hope. If you're going to be stuck in in Babylon for 70 years, you're going to either live in despair or live in the hope that there's something better than this to come. And the promise that God gives the people of Israel is that he will bring the people back eventually. But in his time not in their time scale. And so he gives them hope in a place of despair. He promises them them a future in a place where it seems like there is no future. And maybe for some people that's where you are at the beginning of this year. You might feel that your life is in despair. And God says, well, actually my plans are to give you hope. You might feel that you've not got a future because of circumstances or things that happen and and God says to you, look, you've got a great future in my plan. Just stick in there. Just stay with it. Trust in me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Plans to give you hope and a future even when the clouds are gathering, even when the storms of life affect us. God's plans are to still offer us hope. Because hope isn't actually always being in a great place. Hope can sometimes be in a really dark place. But you've got some light at the end of the tunnel. And this is what God offers the people of Israel. If you like, a light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be a long tunnel, uh, 70 years. But there is a light at the end of it. And so at the beginning of this new year, uh, we don't know what it's going to hold. We don't know what God's plans are, but we want to to seek God with all our hearts and with all our minds. And we want to trust in the plans that God has for us, because they are good plans. They are plans to prosper us and not to harm us. They are plans to give us hope and a future. Learn the verse. Memorize it. Carry it with you through the year. And... Be reminded, especially in those more difficult days, that God does know what he's doing.